Susan Lucille Wish was a beautiful, blonde, all-American 21-year-old when she laid eyes on Jeff Wright, who was eight years her senior. It was instantly love at first sight after their first date. But neither of them knew the other one's darkest secrets, nor the messed up, twisted road that they were about to take. And it's not initially what you might think is going to happen. Hey, Coffee and Crimers, I'm your host, Belle Fagan. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am, but Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. After high school, Susan had spent eight weeks working as an exotic dancer, but she got fed up pretty quick of topless dancing and all that it entailed. So she used the money that she'd earned to enroll in a nursing program at her local community college and found a part-time job at a hair salon. But after a while of doing that, she just found that school was way too time-consuming and expensive, so she quit. Jeff had spent his teen years and early adulthood non-stop partying with friends, binging on both alcohol and cocaine. But as his 30th birthday approached, he was growing tired of it and wanted to settle down and have a wife and kids. When he met Susan, he knew that she was the one. A few months into their relationship, Susan told Jeff that she was pregnant, so he felt it was the perfect time to propose. And only two weeks later, in late 1998, they got married in a small ceremony in Houston, Texas. Their son Bradley was born, and to the outside world, their life looked perfect. Gorgeous house, with a manicured garden, and soon another baby on the way, this time a little girl. But old habits die hard. Jeff wasn't partying as much as he used to, but he still used cocaine regularly enough for it to be causing major problems in their relationship. Susan hated it when he was high because he became aggressive with both her and the kids. She was kicked, punched and slapped repeatedly during his coke-fueled rages. And Jeff would continually ignore her pleas to get clean. 
On the night of January 13th, 2003, Jeff was riding another drug-induced high. He and Susan had argued he'd allegedly raped her and then threatened to kill her. Then, later in the evening, he was trying to teach Bradley how to box and ended up hitting him in the face. Bradley began crying and another argument ensued. Okay, just a quick pause. This is where we now have two very different versions of events, the prosecutions and then the defence. Ordinarily, I would just go through the kind of simple facts and we'd get to the verdict, etc. But I just felt there was so much information when I was researching these cases that I think it's important that we discuss both. And I also think it's important because it is quite a complex case and I think it could divide opinions. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to start with the prosecutions. So after the upset with Bradley and Jeff being high again, Susan had reached breaking point and decided the nightmare needed to end. So once the kids were in bed and sound asleep, Jeff found Susan standing in the doorway of their bedroom wearing only a silk bathrobe. Immediately, Jeff turned off the TV and headed into the bedroom. Red candles and soft music were playing in the background. The couple began to kiss and undress. Susan told Jeff to lay down on the bed. Now remember, he was still on a cocaine buzz, so he got even more excited when Susan began to slowly and seductively tie each of his limbs to the bed's headboard and footboard, with the tie from her silk bathrobe and some of Jeff's silk neckties. Once Jeff was naked and spread-eagled, Susan put her plan to end the abuse once and for all into action. First, she took one of the candles and after kissing her husband's chest, poured the wax on his inner thigh. Obviously, Jeff screamed and struggled to get free, but couldn't. Next, all he could do was watch as Susan pulled out a knife while holding his manhood, shall we say, in her hand. Jeff suffered 41 stab wounds to his face, 23 to his neck, 46 to his chest, 22 to his abdomen, 7 to his pubic region, including a superficial cut on his penis. 19 to his legs, 23 to his arms and hand, and one to his back. The tip of the knife had also broken off in his skull. Candle wax was found on Jeff's right thigh and scrotum. Coming back to the present, she realised she needed to do something and quick because she didn't want to go to prison for murder. There was blood everywhere, on the walls, the floor, the furniture, the curtains, literally everything. She showered and then called her in-laws who lived 150 miles away in Austin. She cried as she told them that earlier that evening, Jeff had come home from boxing lessons super angry. She said he'd taken out his anger on her and Bradley. Ron and Kay, who were Jeff's parents, were shocked and asked to speak to him but Susan told them that they couldn't because Jeff had stormed out of the house and left and she was sure that he had left her for good. When they asked what had set him off, she told them about the cocaine and the debt they were in because of his habit. It was the first that this couple had ever heard about their son using drugs. She spent an hour crying on the phone to them. Now, Jeff had recently dug a hole in the garden ready for a fountain that they were going to install. So Susan decided to use the hole to bury his body. She put him on a dolly, you know, one of those like trolley things, and wheeled him through the house to the patio. 
then pushed him into the grave that Jeff had unknowingly dug for himself. After cramming him in, she began scooping handfuls of dirt on top of him. Back inside, she cleaned up the blood, including the path of blood from the bedroom to the patio. She put the bloody sheets into a bag and along with the bloody mattress, left them at the back of the house. She then loaded the kids into the car, stopped at a hardware store and picked up some paint to repaint the bedroom. Apart from a huge bleach spot on the carpet, she felt when she was finished that everything looked 100% back to normal. She'd also bleached the blood off her clothes. While she'd been doing all of this, Jeff's parents had spent a sleepless night waiting for a call or a visit from him, which obviously never happened. The next afternoon, they called Susan and asked if Jeff had ever come home. She told them that he had come home, but only to pack his clothes and that they'd ended up in another shouting match and him storming out. And that he was also so angry that he took a bottle of bleach and shook it all over the bedroom and her clothing. Now, I will give it to her because that was some quick thinking there. But this story really confused the Wrights and they were now even more desperate to talk to him. But again, Susan told them that he'd also forgotten to take his phone. Susan also received calls from Jeff's boss and her neighbour, and she told them the same story that she told her in-laws. The neighbour encouraged Susan to file a report about the abuse with police. More people began asking about Jeff's whereabouts, and Susan realised that time was running out. It was getting harder to fill the barrage of questions and keep her story straight, and she knew it wouldn't be long before Jeff's parents would turn up on her doorstep. On Wednesday, January 15th, 2003, Susan walked in to the Harris County Constable's office and filed a report telling the same story that she told everybody else. Pictures of the cuts and bruises on her hand were also taken. She told police that she was terrified of what Jeff would do when he got home and found out that she'd reported this argument to police. So they reassured her and a judge granted a restraining order for her and the children. By the Saturday, Susan was at breaking point. The pressure of everyone calling her and their endless questions was just becoming too much. Now, the family had a little chow mix dog, and it was that dog that was the final straw that made Susan snap. Outside, in the very spot that she'd buried Jeff's body, Susan saw the dog had begun digging at the thin layer of soil that she'd spread across his grave, shall we call it. Jeff's arm was actually poking out and the back of his head was also showing. But that wasn't the worst bit. The dog, thinking probably that he'd found a toy, had chewed Jeff's hand off and it was just laying on the patio like a Halloween prop. That was the final straw for Susan. She was mentally and emotionally done. She grabbed the kids, got in the car and drove to her mum's house. She told her mum about a restraining order, about cleaning up the house and how terrified she was that Jeff would kill her if he came back. Now, if you're a mum, you know that we know things about our kids. No matter how old they are, no matter how old you are, you just know when something isn't right. So finally, she looked at her daughter and said, Susan, did you kill Jeff? Susan nodded and slumped forward onto the tabletop. Susan's mum sent her grandchildren to stay with her other daughter, Susan's sister, Cindy, and then called a criminal defence attorney. 
Police were called by Susan's new defence attorney and when they arrived at the house, she told them where they could find Jeff's body. Now, although she thought she'd thoroughly clean the murder scene, when police searched the bedroom, they found plenty of blood not visible to the naked eye. Her trial began on February the 24th, 2004. And now we have the second version of events. So everything I've just been telling you is what the prosecution laid out to the jury. So Susan actually took the stand in her defence and told the jury that she'd killed Jeff in self-defence after he'd attacked her with a knife while screaming, die, bitch. He'd come out of the shower and she'd given him an ultimatum about his drug use, that if he didn't stop, she was taking the kids and leaving. Angry, he threw her to the ground. She grabbed the knife and it hit her knee, causing her leg to jerk up and hit Jeff in the groin. She got the knife and pushed him off and stabbed him in the neck. According to her, Jeff tried to take back the knife, so again, she managed to stab him even deeper into the chest. She went on to tell the court that at one point, her son knocked on the door of the bedroom, which caused her to stop stabbing Jeff. So she tied Jeff's arms to the bed while she took Bradley back to his bed. She said she then went back to their bedroom where she continued to stab Jeff out of fear. She finally stopped and decided to move Jeff's body and when she tried to drag him, his head and shoulder hit the nightstand and a candle that was on the nightstand fell onto Jeff, which is how he was found with candle wax on his thigh and scrotum. The prosecution asked her to explain why she'd stabbed him nearly 200 times. And she told them that once she started, she couldn't stop because she was terrified that he would kill her if she did stop. Her defence team said that she'd suffered a break from reality, hence why she'd continued stabbing after putting her son back to his bed, because she thought he would come back to life. And in terms of the things that she told people over the week following the murder, again, they said in her delusional state, she'd continue to believe that Jeff would come back to life. And they felt that the number of stab wounds found on his body proved that fear was what caused it rather than premeditated, cold-blooded murder. After years of physical and emotional abuse, she said that she'd finally decided to fight back. Now, a number of witnesses did testify that they saw Susan in the past with a black eye, a bruise on her forehead, and her sister also testified that she'd seen bruises on Susan's body on a number of occasions. She also told the court that Jeff would give Susan $75 every week and she had to ensure that that was enough to cover the cost of food for the four of them and things required for the household. And she had to make sure that the house was immaculate at all times because if it wasn't, he would beat her. The prosecution team came back arguing that Susan's tears were purely crocodile. And they used the fact that she used to be an exotic dancer against her, saying that she was money hungry and had instead killed her husband in order to collect the $200,000 life insurance policy that he had, and that she was not a battered woman. But instead, this was divorce by homicide. Now, this is where this case has gone down in history, because to really make their point, they brought into the courtroom Jeff and Susan's actual bed. But not only that, the prosecution reenacted the alleged scene for the jury, including the district attorney literally straddling the assistant district attorney and pretending to stab him 
all 193 times while Susan sat and watched in tears. I mean, if it wasn't so serious, it would just be comical. And I'm honestly surprised the judge allowed it because usually theatrics, you know, you would just, I can just hear the defence, you know, yelling objection and the judge sustaining it. Like we've all seen the movies, right? But he did. And I'm sure everyone in the courtroom that day has never forgotten that scene. After only five and a half hours of deliberation, the jury believed the prosecution's arguments and found Susan guilty of murder. She was sentenced to 25 years to life in prison. She was dubbed in the media as the blue-eyed butcher. But the case doesn't end here. In 2005 came an unexpected twist. A woman named Misty McMichael, who was actually the wife of a former NFL Super Bowl champion, Steve McMichael, came forward and told of the violence and abuse that she'd endured during her four years as Jeff's fiance before Susan had ever come along. One time he'd thrown Misty down a flight of stairs and another had cut her with a broken glass from a bar. Now she had filed an assault charge but dropped it out of fear. I'm not actually sure why the defence team hadn't done any digging into Jeff's past and subpoenaed her in the original trial. But anyway, the Court of Appeals in Texas granted Susan a new sentencing hearing. So on November the 10th, 2010, they actually resentenced her and took five years off her original sentence, so making it 20 years in prison, which meant that she would be eligible for parole from February 2014. She applied and was denied parole on June the 12th, 2014. Again, she was denied parole the next time on July 24th, 2017. But the third time was the charm. She was finally granted parole in July 2020 and released from prison on December 30th of that same year. The Texas Department of Criminal Justice stated that the terms of her parole meant that she needed to undergo anger control training and counselling, secure good employment and remain in the state of Texas. Also, she needed to wear a GPS tracking device until 2024. By this point, Bradley and Kaylee, her and Jeff's children, had been adopted by Jeff's brother, Ronald. Just before her release, she was quoted as saying that she hoped being released from prison meant that she would be allowed to get her children back. As of today, it appears she has kept a super low profile as I honestly couldn't find any information available about her current whereabouts, her family status or anything else significant in her post-prison life. The case I discussed on my TikTok last week was of Faye Callerman, who after enduring years of abuse finally managed to leave her husband, only for him to murder her six weeks later while their two-year-old watched TV. And on a personal note, as someone who endured a seven-year mentally and physically abusive marriage, nobody, unless having lived it, knows what it is like to live with a narcissist. They brainwash you until you think there is no alternative. And the mental abuse is far worse than the physical abuse, in my opinion. So I really do understand where she was coming from. And there were definitely mitigating circumstances. But I will leave it to you whether you think prison was the right sentence for her. Because there's been a lot of things in the media about how she acted afterwards. And would delusion last as long as it did? But the bottom line was that Jeff was abusive and violent, which not just Susan testified to. 
He had a lot of cocaine in his system the night he died, which definitely buys into the theory that he could easily have made good on his threat to kill Susan. And any psychologist will tell you that the most dangerous time in an abusive relationship is when the victim tries to leave the abusive spouse. And she testified that she had given him an ultimatum that night. Thanks for listening. If you're enjoying being here, please leave a review on whatever platform you get your podcasts and click on the link in today's case description to join the Cup of Coffee and Crime Facebook discussion group to see today's case photos. Until next week, stay safe.